Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uctana, and today we'll be digging into the second section of a soul book, the record of our reintegration with our higher self and our processing of the embodied life just completed. While reading or re-experiencing past lives is dramatic and sometimes infotaining, the answers most people are seeking in doing so are actually recorded here. As Eckhart Tolle says, The opposite of life is not death. The opposite of death is birth. Life has no opposite. The second section of most soul books is a detailed account of each instance when an embodied life has ended and the soul reintegrates and returns to the Akashics. Past life records don't include this information as it's not a part of the embodied experience. People who help clients retrieve and relive past lives have at times been able to access this information and follow a soul through the reintegration process and back to the Akashics, such as Michael Newton. But most follow the path of the past life to its conclusion at death and the soul's release from physical form, finding the details of existence, but leaving the reasons why and lessons learned a mystery. The exit from the body and reintegration of spirit merits its own section, as it's a process with great wisdom and accomplishment as the outcome. It's the piece of a lifetime most affected by free will. While births can be traumatic, ecstatic, and dramatic for all involved, they are also highly scripted and managed events. The soul has spent great care and effort to choose a life, work with teachers, guides, and peers to craft the lessons, challenges, and rewards within the life, made connections, contracts, and schedules with other souls, their own soul group, other soul groups, and charted out all the possibilities to be explored. While free will plays a part even at the start of our lives, there are relatively few variables to contend with. On the other end of the spectrum, Ending a life comes as the culmination of millions and millions of decisions and interactions with countless people, objects, and entities which influence us even in a very short lifetime. The exit plan may have been scripted or a surprise based on choices made by ourselves or others. What we experience at the end is unique to the individual and can impress on us an epitaph we carry as the meaning for that lifetime. How we release from the life, how we take those experiences, who we have become and how we integrate that back into a full understanding of who we truly are, is its own journey with its own beauty and majesty. Most people recognize this reentry process from people who have had what are now called near-death experiences. Some see a bright and beautiful light come for them, or are engulfed in a bright white light or see a light and move towards it. Others realize that they have moved out of their bodies and are either standing by it or floating above it. Some see a tunnel and go through it, and on the other side are loved ones waiting to greet them. These are all accurate depictions of the beginning of the process, and it's understandable that in order to return to embodiment, the memory stops there. To go further on, remembering instructions or conversations with others will impede or prevent returning to the body to continue the embodied process. For most souls, the reintegration process follows a predictable course, and for each one, a checklist book is created within the soul 
with detailed records noting all events which occur. Each soul, upon death, detaches from the physical form. They may linger for a time near the body to acclimate as they transition back to their natural state. Between existence in human form and the soul's return to the Akashics, a state of separateness remains, mostly on the part of the soul's consciousness as interconnectedness is not yet something they remember. And as a state of separation is a key part of the embodied experience and built into the physicality of place, the soul immediately finds themselves unable to affect physical things. This is the state our guides and helpers work with when interacting with us and is somewhat accurately depicted in ghost movies. Souls also immediately begin to reawaken to the fact that time is rarely linear anywhere other than in an embodied life and they are no longer subject to it. This can cause anxiety if they have any lingering desire to contact loved ones who remain embodied. Usually, by the time they recognize the issue, they've already said their goodbyes or have reincorporated. Rarely is this an issue unless a grieving loved one cannot get past the body's death in that lifetime or has such strong emotions it causes the soul to linger. Grieving is a natural and healthy process of an embodied life. Loss, change, death are all things we become embodied to experience in undiluted form, as such things are rare and diffuse within the Akashics. When everything is recorded and retained in spirit, when everything is eternal and fully integrated and interconnected, strong emotions, lack, loss, and death are foreign concepts. Part of being embodied is learning what these are firsthand, how to deal with them when they occur, and becoming the wisdom that we gain from that experience. In current first world countries, grieving has become something to avoid. Public grieving, ceremonies, and displays are all to be avoided unless they have some political value or serve some course or goal. Celebration of life, honoring death, supporting each other through loss, creating new connection with the departed, celebrating change, these things have fallen away with the advent of the Industrial Revolution and modern medicine, which sees death as a condition to be remedied or avoided and the body as a mechanism to be mended or replaced. This has made the transitioning process more attenuated for some souls and heightened the instances when souls linger to support and comfort those left behind. When a lifetime ends, the soul is released from the body, lingers for a time becoming reacclimated to its natural state, says goodbyes and bestows blessings on those they cared for in life, and then begins to release the embodied sphere. Most souls then travel quickly to be united with their soul group, peers, or teacher to begin the reintegration process. Reintegration can take several forms depending on the soul. The first step is usually a reawakening or remembering of the soul's true nature as a unique piece of the numinous and fully interconnected with all things. For younger souls, this is usually done in the presence of their soul group. This can seem like a reunion with all of our loved ones who have already crossed over and wouldn't be an inaccurate description. The reunion is brief but joyous, allowing reconnection with a feeling of family and community and home before the work of life review begins. Most soul groups, in part or in whole, embody together in family units. Grandparents, parents, children, grandchildren. So, depending on the soul's role... There are usually souls who appear either in the form of their most recent incarnation 
or the soul is able to recognize them as that person without the form shift. Reconnecting with soul group members, both those who embodied and those who remain behind, helps reground us in who we truly are. It's like an awakening from a long sleep in which we remember all of our dreams, our physical lifetime, in its entirety. It's then time to reconnect with our teacher and begin formal reintegration. This can happen in any number of ways depending on our own needs, our preferences, our level of experience and maturity, and the relationship we have with our teacher. There can be a simple sit-down meeting to go through an informal life review. This would entail a review of actions, choices, non-actions, measurement of expected goals reached and actual outcomes, relationships achieved and how, final sign-off on relationship and event contracts, and much more. There's no judgment involved in this, but extreme honesty and compassion and the support and guidance necessary for learning and growth and healing. Visual review can also be done in a more formal setting, where a full visual life review is held. This can be used when lessons may be more difficult to discern, more guidance is necessary from the teacher, or where ramifications to others and effects need to be displayed. We don't always know or understand the effects we have on others, especially those we are several steps removed from or where contact is momentary. And then there are also times when a full council may be called. This is a group of souls who are wise and knowledgeable in a variety of areas, like a panel of specialists, who agree to support and guide souls through stages of their development. These counselors are not judges or authorities in the form of government. They are learned beings who have gained wisdom through their own lives and are willing to help. After a full life review, they may gather to help a soul who is struggling with a lesson or who is close to achieving full comprehension of a truth to work through their most recent life and gain further insights. The council is compassionate and empathetic, but also detached from the outcome of the meeting. Whatever course the soul chooses, whatever they take from the meeting is theirs forever. The soul gets out of it just as much as they are willing to put in. It's considered an honor to have a council review, and the wisdom received is timeless and priceless, if sometimes difficult to hear or work with. Not all enlightenment is pleasant. Once the formal review with the teacher and any other beings has been completed, the soul is allowed time alone to contemplate and take in all that has occurred and all they've learned from the others in the review. This is like a small vacation, a time of reflection and relaxation to catch their breath and collect their thoughts. Souls are not truly alone, as no one is alone in spirit, but after life review, each has time apart in a setting that is pleasant to them to regain their center and prepare to re-enter society. When the soul is ready, they return to their home space with their soul group. This is a glorious time apart from the first welcome, because now they're totally aware of where they are, who they are, and who the others are. The soul will spend time catching up on the group's news and all that's gone on in the soul's absence. They will tell stories of their life, compare notes, wrangle about interpretations, tease and laugh and argue and act just like all healthy siblings. This completes the reintegration process for most souls. Life continues with the soul group learning lessons, practicing new skills, working through issues, just as they did before. This will continue for as long as the soul wishes or until they decide to incarnate again. For older souls, 
a quick review may be all that's necessary, and this with a mentor, as a full-time teacher is no longer necessary. Some souls are ancient enough that they no longer work in soul groups, and so may be met by peers or by no one at all. Reintegration may occur more quickly for them or in an area designated for their personal work. Others might be specialists who have careers in spirit or who are welcomed by peers who help in the reintegration process. When looking at this section of a soul book, most lives will show the checklist as checked off and an attached section with the details of the reintegration. However, not all lives go as planned and not all souls are in a state in which normal reintegration can readily occur. This can happen when, for one reason or another, the soul resisted leaving this earthly plane. Remaining for extended lengths of time can cause the soul emotional and mental distress as linear time moves forward and those they have connection with move on with their embodied lives. There's nothing wrong or detrimental in this. There's no judgment on this happening. It's noteworthy for additional soul experiences which occurred during that period and a need for additional healing during incorporation. This additional healing may be more time spent with the teacher in review of the past life, allowing for more support, emotional processing, and ongoing viewing of those souls still embodied until the appropriate equilibrium is established. It could require the help of healers, staff who specialize in the health and well-being of souls, who can spend time with the soul and the teacher and help in the healing process. Anything of this nature will be noted on the checklist and details will be recorded. Another reason for notation in this section is when some event occurred within the lifetime which dramatically injured the soul and prevented them from following the normal course of incorporation. For example, a person who experienced a large amount of domestic abuse and then died suddenly due to violence can experience severe damage to their soul. People who experience the effects of genocidal events, such as the victims of the ethnic cleansing in Rwanda or the refugees of the war in Syria, can experience soul damage. Should a soul receive such damage upon detaching from their body, instead of meeting loved ones in the light, the soul is assisted by healers to minimize further trauma. Before the soul can be reincorporated into the totality of the self, they will be led to a healing facility and nurtured until it's restored. The memories, the lessons learned, the experiences will not be removed, but their effects, which have damaged the soul, will be healed. In this situation, the teacher and any relevant counselors will work closely with the healers as a normal life review would be counterproductive or cause further injury. The healers provide a safe environment for the information, usually gathered through a review to be presented to the soul during and after the healing process as possible or necessary. At times, the damage is too severe for a routine review and healing becomes the paramount issue. Experiences, learning, growing, and wisdom have already occurred as much as is possible, and healing becomes the priority. The soul will never be the same as they were, but they will be fully healed and rehabilitated to completely functional status, and when they're ready, they will return to their soul group or peers. If such an event is in a soul book, it's usually not possible to actually read the account of this because it could cause new injury during the reading process. Often, there's a brief summary of pertinent facts about the situation and suggestions on how to work with the information safely for healthy soul growth. When reading this section, 
Those who have had a major incident of this kind usually already know or have a suspicion that this is the case and have no interest in knowing the details, but feel satisfaction and validation in the acknowledgement. If this is the case for you, please know there is no leftover karma. There is nothing to heal and nothing to fix. It's a part of you that deserves respect. Acknowledge it and continue on. Also know the majority of souls don't have such incidents, and so all the checklists will be marked off and all the records will be accessible. The reintegration record for an embodied life contains the distilled wisdom we created, the skills we acquired, and the lessons we successfully learned. If you're interested in knowing who you've been and what that means to you, take a peek. And that's all the time we have this week. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider supporting it by subscribing on Patreon. You can find all my offerings and get regular updates about what I'm working on at patreon.com slash Thanks. Bye.